Hey there, it's Matt from Generator. I would love for you to be able to listen to all of our new episodes as soon as they come out. So please make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or just head over to generatorpodcast.com. Also, if you like the show and want to support me, you can now leave me a tip with no membership necessary. It's just like tossing a buck or two into the hat of a street performer. So when you listen to an episode at generatorpodcast.com, you'll see a donate button right in the player. And please know that while it's never necessary, It's always greatly appreciated. So that's it. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. And now let's start the show. Well, you found it. Welcome to episode four of Generator. This week, my guest is Cicela Johansson. She is a portrait photographer out of Monroe, Connecticut. And I first found out about Cicela and her work during her episode of the Portrait System podcast a few years back. I reached out to her because I realized that our stories were very similar, and I just wanted to tell her what a great job she did. We became quick friends and... Fast forward a few months, she winds up taking some of the best portraits of me that I've ever had taken. We're great friends. I really enjoy listening to her, and I know you will as well. In this episode, we dig into a little bit more of the mental side of creativity, imposter syndrome and vulnerability and um, social media trolls. We're all over the place. But I think what you'll find is that Cicela is incredibly down to earth. She really is someone that is the real deal, authenticity through and through, and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So without further delay, let's get on with the show. I'm excited to have you here because I think the last time that we tried to do this, everything just went awry, right? We had backdrops falling over. We had cats jumping on things, lightning strikes, cameras falling. It was just a comedy of errors. So I'm glad to be able to have you back. How are you doing? Doing okay. Slow beginning of the year, um, but otherwise doing okay for the most part. Yeah. It's one of those, I don't know if you get this in the beginning of the year, especially. It's like this kind of sludge. Like there isn't like that. There isn't the, it's my slow season right now. Um, and hopefully things pick up soon, but, and it always does. It's always does, but the fear is the same every single year. And so, um, Every year around this time, I get very. Eh. For those of us that don't um, know you, for the listener out there, um, give me a breakdown real quick about your business, where you're located, uh, where people can find you. Let's just get that out of the way right now. Okay. I'm Cicela. I'm a portrait photographer located in Monroe, Connecticut. I do a lot of travel in my photography so right now i photograph all over new england um and hopefully that will expand to further around the country and maybe hopefully kind of already down the line worldwide as well well people are listening if they want to look at your stuff and your website what's your website uh www by at <laughs> by sisla b-y-s-i-s-s-e-l-a.com cool 
Cool. And it's at Portraits by Cicela on like Instagram and Facebook and stuff. <laughs> on on Instagram, yes. On Facebook, it's Photography by Cicela. I have an existential crisis that's been going on for the past like five years. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> right About around names. There. Yeah. Names. I actually really would like to be Cicela Johansson Photography, um, but also names stick. And I've been Photography by Cicela for a while now. How long have you been shooting? I don't even know that. I don't even know how long you've been shooting. You don't? Oh my God. Mm. Um, I have been shooting for well around 14 years. Wow. Oh my God. How does that feel? It, it feels pretty cool, but I don't always believe it. Uh, I started yeah. early in my 20s and and understanding the fact that it's been that long of a journey is kind of hard to comprehend. Do you find that you change the way that you have done your photography in 14 years? Not only the style, but just the creative process. The creative process is pretty much the same, which is honestly like, this is going to get a little personal. You know, those photographers that are very like organized and have a shoot list and have like sketches made out and all those wonderful things. I'm not it. Mm. Never have been. Um, so I guess once upon a time, it started out with me having an idea and then finding a model to work with and then made that happen because I started out being very fashion inspired in my work, very beauty inspired. I still am. It just turned more portraity, um, just basically out of necessity. Um, I had this idea that I couldn't be a fashion photographer and I kind of didn't want to. That's a brutal, brutal industry I've heard. And I've been a little, I'm, I also model, so... I know a little bit about the fashion world and I didn't want to be on that side of it. I kind of developed portraiture as my, my thing. Um, but I'm very much um, the type of photographer who I speak with the person and then things start developing. And sometimes I'm, I'm sitting and I have ideas that are pretty like the more set in stone. They are usually the worse it goes. Um, so I have these ideas and I experience sitting with these and wanting, okay, this is what we're going to do. And the more I like cling on to them and wanting them to happen, the worse it goes. And so I have learned to release control <laughs> and just kind of go with the flow and pivot. Um, those are like one of the reasons why I don't fall flat on my face all the time but I still do. How does that feel? Right? Well, so we all fail face. all the time. How do you approach failure? Does it frustrate you? Does it create stress? Do you learn Shame. from it? How do you mask it in the moment? Like, where are you with failure? So it's actually great. So I had a session that didn't go according to plan. And I mean, my client was great and wonderful and beautiful and sweet. And she's great. But I felt so subpar. that wasn't even funny. And in that moment, I was changing between frantically trying to figure it out, between I got this, it's okay, and masking that I'm I'm I don't I I'm stressed and don't know actually what to do. But those are among the rarities, fortunately. Usually when things like that happen, I'm just very communicative. I'm saying, hey, you know what? I have a little bit of a funny day. Um my brain is not cooperating and what I'm what I thought would work is not working. So give me a moment as I am figuring out my shit. 
and you, people are usually very very um responsive to that they appreciate the honesty as long as it just it doesn't keep going in the wrong direction so i feel a lot of shame i feel a lot of pressure and uh, nervousness i get very um for anyone who knows me knows that i get very like um high-pitched chatty when i get nervous <laughs> oftentimes fortunately it comes across i've heard as confidence that i'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> little do they know <laughs> little did they know so I guess I just take it from time to time and I cut myself some slack. Good. I'm good. pretty good at cutting myself some slack. I cut myself a little too much slack sometimes. You started in Denmark, right? You started shooting in Denmark or did you start shooting in the US? Denmark. Denmark. So did you find that when you moved to the States, now that was, how long were you in Denmark shooting before you came to the States? Four or five years. Four or five years. Okay. So you've been here 10 years, 10-ish, thereabouts? Eight. Eight. Okay. So <laughs> round up to 10. So you've been here eight years. Not uh, but it seems like you really exploded over the past couple of years in terms of your work, in terms of your style and notoriety and voice and clients. And was there some shift that happened? You know, did you did something shift in you to start creating differently or more authentically or in this editorial style that you have? You know, did you get to a point where you were bored with what you were doing, that you just wanted something different? Did you discover a new style that you wanted to emulate? How did you progress as you moved from what you were doing earlier in your career to what you're doing now, which is stunning work? I mean, I know that when I'm looking at stuff online, I can recognize your work like that. And there's only a handful of people that really stand out like that to me. And it's very easy to spot your work because you've got this slightly desaturated, gritty editorial style, you know, high detail, um, lots of story. And there's also this warmth to it, this connection, this authenticity. And so if you look at your earlier work, did you have that at the beginning or is it something that developed over time? I really liked my early style um, way back when I started out where I was in my early 20s and was a little grittier and had a little more courage to do things that were a little weird. Um, and then I moved here. Back then, my style had started to emerge. Uh, my portrait style, my my some of my more documentary style work that I do, um, had already starting to happen. Um, and and what happened back then links in really well with what's happening now. But then I came here, <laughs> and I moved to a very affluent area, um, and. I opened up my business and now I had this idea that I was supposed to be doing a certain thing. I saw my work morphing into what was common. Um, and I did that for a good long while and my clients liked it. Actually, they loved it. And I absolutely hated it. What was it about I, it that you hated? It felt so glossy and fake mm. like the amount of editing um it was so stiff and and waxy and wrong mm. 
and and I can look at it sometimes today, and there's some of it that I can be like, oh my god, that's beautiful. There's still work that I did produce back then that I still love, 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 love. Sure. But my client work, I couldn't stand it. And I actually have clients now that sometimes pull out that work because they're from back then, and and I go like. <laughs> yes, I did that. It's okay. It's okay. I'm happy you love it. But it represented a time in my life where I was lost. I didn't know who I was and I didn't know what my photography was. And I was trying to fit in into a new country, a new area that was so far out of anything that I'd ever known. And I've always been one to stand out. I have always chosen to stand out. Um, I started out as being just standing out as a kid and then I started choosing it, um, <clears throat> being the weird kid <laughs> and coming here, I suddenly had this idea that now I need to fit in um, and I had to be this kind of Stepford wife thing and I wanted to talk to the rich and famous and I wanted to do that thing with the glamour and the ta-di-da and the la-di-da and ew, it... I love when other people do it. Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. I hate it for myself. Right. And there are ways that I morph glamour extravagance into my work sometimes, but it happens rarely. That, that was an interesting time in my life. And it very much was a reflection mm. of what was going on and uh, my marriage and my, my, um, loneliness and my lack of identity and at some point i said enough is enough and i started to create work that i liked and this was back in 2018 19 19 18. started in 18. i, I started a, um, a project um, about women with silver hair um, but i started it a little too late and then covid happened kind of thing so I didn't finish it, but I got me some really beautiful images. And more importantly, because I did that personal project, I began to see a new style of light emerge, a new voice emerge. And I really liked what I was seeing. And I was pouring down my editing. And I was really trying to just make the skin look natural and beautiful without it just being did you find that as you started to do that, that your client base changed mm -hmm. in what way? Yeah. It, it's, it's been a slow process and frankly, it's an ongoing process. Um, <clears throat> I, when, when I started changing my style more, it was half, half consciously, half unconsciously. Uh, I also started changing. Uh, I don't know which one came first, um, but that was when my life kind of unraveled and slowly just started going downhill. And, and the, for a couple of years, my life was in crazy upheaval and I didn't produce a lot of consistent work. And I'm still like, I was at that point still trying to kind of figure it out. I was just really just trying to function. Um, and as my style was changing, um, I was realizing that I hadn't been authentic in my work. And that was the problem. I hadn't come from me. I'd come from an idea of who I thought I was supposed to be. 
And that tied into my personal life as well, how I presented myself, how I dressed, how I acted, how I met people. And I was wearing this mask that I absolutely hated. I've tossed out the majority of my clothes from back then because when I look at them, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. This is not me. Mm. Um, so I morphed into me and there was the breaking point of my divorce. Um, going to like being separated, going to Sweden where my parents live, staying there for four and a half months, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to go next. I knew that life as I knew it was falling apart. Um, and I didn't know what to do at that point with earning money and where to live. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have anything. <laughs> I had given up everything. Uh, I just had my business. Um, so I was deciding whether or not I need to stay in, in Sweden or come back here. And I decided to give the whole America thing another chance. And I came back and I stayed with friends and I call, like clawed my way back to a sense of normalcy. And that's when a lot of the images that you see now, where my style is fully emerging. Um, I started dressing the way I wanted to and buying the boots that I wanted, which are weird, wonderful boots that I love. I started wearing skirts and colors and just being unapologetically me again mm. <laughs> and showing up at networking events as me and being like, okay, if you don't like this, then we're probably not a good match because I'm not going to modify myself anymore to fit into this idea of what I'm supposed to be doing. And I have long ago realized and recognized that I cannot modify myself like that. I've modified myself for so long and it was literally driving me nuts. Like I was not healthy mentally. My style is very, very intricately interlaced with my personal life and how I connect with people. So as I have been re-emerging, rediscovering myself, so... I have also redis been rediscovering my style. And I think I've I've been told many, many years that my style is recognizable, even before this ha shift happened. But now I'm like beginning to believe it. <laughs> now I'm beginning to be, okay, fair enough, thank you. Um, now I'm beginning to, to liking the praise and not feeling like it's utter BS. Um, <laughs> because that's, that's, I'm actually becoming proud of what I do. Um, and I'm still, I still have times where I'm like, what the heck was this? But for the most part, I, when I see that and when I see myself fall into conformity and like this level of just reproducing like a conveyor belt factory thingy, I'm like, okay, wait, nope, gotta get it out of my system. And like, okay, how can I challenge myself even with clients? It's amazing to hear how the second that you discovered authenticity your own authenticity that along with that came a big truckload of self-value <laughs> of just starting to really love who you are love what you do the clients that you shoot the style that you create and like you said it was unapologetic how do your clients react to that right because i know that when clients come to me there's this expectation, even though we've spent a lot of time getting to know each other and connecting and and really um, 
building a relationship before we ever shoot. Are you doing a really good job of educating them of, hey, this is who I am, take it or leave it. Where do you where do you find that out with your clients? Because it seems to be that that you can tell that they're incredibly comfortable with you. Do you find that you have to educate people with that or are comfortable people just gravitating towards you? My best clients are the clients that come to me who are like, do your thing. I want you to do your thing. I love those. Those are my favorites. Um, but I do have clients that are like, I want this, this, and this, and this, and it's going to look like this, this, and this. And I'm like, are you sure I'm the right photographer for you? Yeah. Um, it rarely happens, but there are times where I have conversations like, this is what you can expect of me. Um, I'm not going to produce this thing that you think you want. Like, you, it's not why you come to me. Mm. Like, I am not going to love doing that, and it's going to show. My most important thing is about connection connecting on a deep personal level with my clients um and that starts right now it starts at a consultation usually i have discovery calls but i've hired someone to take my discovery calls she takes the majority of them i still have a few i just got off one where we instead of talking about photo shoots we talked about everything else and it was awesome and i can't wait to photograph her because she's awesome the biggest thing in my work that you can see when you look at my work is the fact that I take my time to get to know my client. Mm. I get, I take my time to hold space for them, to listen to them, um, to be all babbling and weird to them. <laughs> um, they see me uh, rant on things and they, I talk their ear off and, and what everything having, every session having common is that we connect. I don't have a box that my clients, that I plop my clients into. I make a box around each of my client fitted to their specific needs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what comes through because they know that and they see it and they hear it. My client today, earlier, had a session, um, hugged me and cried. That happens rarely, but it happens. Um, but that was because I was holding space for her. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. When you stop trying to, to be a business person, and you start being a human first mm. and foremost and meeting people as a human that's when you're going to see your images change and that connection really come out if you don't have that connection it doesn't matter if you have a pretty picture like it can be a pretty picture but connection is what drives curiosity and impact and emotion and frankly I shoot right there behind me. Mm -hmm. I live in a small studio apartment. And by the time people come here, it's like they're coming into a friend's house. Like, I don't have a pretty studio or fancy lights. I don't have a huge team. I sometimes quite often travel to my clients as well. So they're in their house. I think I just let humans be humans. You know, that's the conversation that we've had quite a bit over the years about connection and about the... Yeah the shift away from the trendy stuff, um, the shift away from, you know, the glamour, right? And I think we both started in very similar ways and very quickly realized like, okay, this is how you shoot a certain style of portraiture, but that's the foundation. Now let me take that lump of clay and craft it into what I do. Right. and 
you know, a lot of that for me as well, and it sounds like it, it happened for you too, is stripping away a lot of stuff. I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. And, you know, one of the things that I've always gotten from you too is this um, desire to be real at every turn. And it's not about selling the most photos or the most expensive albums or anything like that, or trying to impress right? Whether that's trying to impress your client, trying to impress other photographers, trying to impress your family or your ex-husband or whatever, right? It seems to be that you're very comfortable in the space that you are. And because you stay in that place of service and because you know who you are and you are authentic in that and you have that self-value, that the business grows, that the money comes. And it's not chasing it. It just flows directly to you because of the space that you hold and where you sit with yourself. Does that sound about right? I mean, now that you you found really how comfortable you are with yourself, does that translate to the business in, in that way? It does. I will say again, um, is not, I found the switch right. and now things just come flowing. That's True. not how it works. Um, because I still have to remind myself to, to stay authentic and stop chasing and all that stuff. Um, right now I don't have enough clients and it's, it's bothering me, but I will probably have enough clients down the line and I'll be fine for the rest of the year. Um, but it's not some magical switch. Right. Things didn't just start working. It's continuous. Like when you talked about how seeing my work blowing up over the last couple of years, I'm like, did it though? Yeah. Um, but I don't see that because I sit in it and I sit in the in the thrush and like work through it every day and all that stuff. So I don't see it like that. And I think one of the dangers today, especially, is when we because I see others where, oh my God, their work have just blown up and I see it everywhere and it's amazing. And I'm like hearing my hearing my work being speak to, spoken about that, that way, I'm like, I wonder how that person that I consider like that is feeling. We all pretty much feel the same. I'm not. I'm not including myself in that. Like my work is blown up. But what I'm. What I mean is, I think as creators of anything, right? So yeah. in the my previous life, right, doing the corporate acquisitions and um, working in that world, I was often with CEOs and executive level um, folks, right? Because we'd buy a company and then I'd be in there and negotiating with them and doing all this work, and. I find that regardless of your station in life, mm -hmm. whether you are working, serving scones at the coffee shop, whether you are running a multi-billion dollar company, we all generally have the same insecurities. We all have the shame. We all have the guilt. We all have the avoidance. We all have the little things that we grew up with that got ingrained in us when we were right. young, right? And it's this lifelong battle. Some of us are better at masking it than others. Some of us can heal from it. Some of us can't. But there's this constant work on ourselves, right? Yeah. And I think as I've gotten to know you over the years and as we've had these conversations, it does keep coming back to this personal growth hearing you now talking about, you know, things are slow. I'm a little bit stressed out, but I see an ease in you that I haven't seen in years, right? When, when we first start, when we first met and I only contacted you because I heard your podcast 
on the portrait system. And I wanted to reach out and I wanted to, to get in touch with you and find out more about your story. But from that point, when we started talking, insecurities were a little bit deeper. Like you're much more at ease now. So over the past couple of years, right? And it might not feel it because like you're saying, like, you don't, if you don't look back enough, you don't really realize how far you've come, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're in the moment all the time and you're thinking about it all the time. Do you feel the difference that I'm seeing in you? Or are you just getting really, really good at masking it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a master masker, so that's always fun. Oh my God, I remember the the imposter, uh, the feeling of, of being an imposter. And <laughs> I felt that at 4.30 this afternoon. Yeah, I get it. I, oh, I still feel it. Don't get me wrong. I'm working get, uh, against it, but I'm, I'm still feeling it. But I do, I do remember where I was. And yeah, in the past year and a half, something have changed. I think a lot of it is is giving less of a fuck. And regularity getting consistent in my business i'm not talking about working consistently on it um but but getting more clients and things like that hiring someone to do my calls has been really nice um i don't know if she books more than i do but she does um provide me with a ton of ease in my brain hiring a retoucher all these (laughs) things that that my brain feels good and mushy even when when things aren't going the way i want it to having the peace of mind to say okay i don't like bookkeeping i don't like doing this type of research retouching and i don't like uh doing discovery calls okay fine what does my brain look like when i don't have these on my plate mm. and that feels really good and fuzzy <laughs> um <laughs> and and then other things come up as they always will but i definitely i definitely feel more confident and i definitely feel more comfortable in myself and i think as i have settled into my new life because 21 21 was the year where I didn't know whether or not I could sustain myself Mm. there were so many unknowns and insecurities also 21 was the year I got my first car ever it was the year that I moved into my apartment um it was the year where I stepped off the ledge and realized that I have wings and that my business could carry me and not only could it carry me, but it could also give me a pretty comfortable lifestyle, depending on like if I didn't want like a huge pla- place to live and the newest gear. And right. yeah, it's it. 21 was a crazy year in so many ways. And I was still a fletchling trying to figure out this. Yeah, Th- that was where I'd rediscovered my style. It was where I, I started being unapologetic. It was the spark of what now is becoming an ease of who I am, liking who I see, liking the work that I produce and beginning to listen to the people who tell me that my work is really awesome. Even saying that is hard. <laughs> Do you believe it? I believe that I am a good photographer. Okay. And that's the extent of it. But I am move I'm moving the scale to to no, I'm not. Uh, I can't say that. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't feel like I'm a great photographer. Not yet. Why is that? Like, I'm. We talk about imposter syndrome all the time, right? And we also know that over the years, right? If you look back, 
you're not the same photographer that you were, that you have learned an insane amount. And you also paint and you also sketch and you also do a lot of other things, right? You make clothes and you model, right? You're creative in so many different areas. Why do you feel like you're not a good photographer? Great is greatness. Great is um, Peter Lindbergh. Um, great is is the greats, you know? The people that I look up to, those are great. And I can't, I don't, I don't feel like I could possibly put myself up anywhere near the greats. Is that great? Do you feel you need to be great? Yeah. Ah. I want to be great. You want to be I great. want to be up there. Okay. I just don't think I'm there yet. Okay. So Do you I know have the to steps that you have to take, you know, the steps that you have to take to get from here to there. I am aware of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> not nearly enough. It's, it's becoming, I'm becoming aware. Um, and part of it is allowing myself to be critiqued for me, Facebook and Facebook photography groups, and Instagram and whatnot have been a great place to go when you, when you get, when, when you want to boost. Um, and I mean, just because I don't always believe it doesn't mean that I don't like it. I love hearing people's reaction to my work. It, it lifts me up and, and people, people talking about my work in a way that I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that they see that. I'm like, wow, that's so fucking cool. Um, it's the best. Doesn't mean that I don't necessarily um, feel it in my, my, deep in my bones, but going on Facebook, I... I'm at a level where I rarely do get any constructive criticism, mm. even when I ask for it. I know that I need to start figuring out which peers I need to um, gravitate towards to grow. Mm. Because I think a big part of what I need to do is putting myself out there in a way that I haven't done before. And I'm not sure how to do that. I'm not sure how to, who to go to. I'm not sure which avenue to follow. And I am insanely terrified of being called out. And I'm insanely terrified of what it means to be successful. But you've identified those things, right? So you've identified your hangups, right? Your blocks, you know what they are. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They, they will let me know on a daily basis. What tools do you have? How do you approach that? Like, how do you approach it in a healthy way to keep yourself from going batshit, right? How I was do just you... about to say in a healthy way, uh, like a tank. Um... <laughs> no, but like, you know, we all have tools and techniques. For me, um, I know that when I'm feeling a lot of that, it's generally because I haven't torn myself away from the computer and actually seen sunlight. I haven't used my body differently. I haven't been around friends. I haven't done any of those things that make me feel good. And instead, I just kind of circle the drain. I spiral and spiral and spiral. And all I do is compare myself. And then the imposter syndrome comes in. And I search for affirmation in all these different places. And I just want somebody to tell me I'm good. And I realize that that's so destructive for me. <laughs> so the ways that I deal with that are meditation, right? 
sometimes it's wine. Let's not, let's not lie. Um, but there's meditation, there's going outside, right? Literally hugging a tree, like getting out in nature, in a forest, being around friends that inspire you, right? Reaching out, having a good phone call, sitting down and just laughing about something. I've got things like that, that just need to ground me and make me feel I am a thousand miles away from my business. I'm a thousand miles away from my problems. And that brings me back to a certain center so that when I do sit my butt back down in this seat and I start staring at the monitor, I'm in a different mindset. What tools do you use to kind of, you know, level out, maybe stay in that creative spot or at least not give up on being creative? I think a lot, um, which is not always a good thing. I do sometimes journal. Um, I get these weird bouts of creative energy um, that I then channel for a week or two, and then I burn out. When was the last time you had one of those creative bursts and what came out of it? I have times where I have a huge amount of ideas, and then I... um, think about them, think about them, think about them, write them down, plan them, plan them, plan plan them. And then when it comes to execution, the ball drops. Um, But I'm becoming better. And that's some of the things that are beginning to appear in my work, like going to um, Arethusa Farms and photographing the cheesemakers there or going to uh, a mead brewery up in Vermont or photographing a boat builder. Like next one on my list is a piper someone who plays the bagpipes. Um, So there's those things that I am becoming better at executing on, but I don't, I have a lot of tools. I don't always use them. Mm. I don't get out enough. I am on a first name basis with the spiders in my corner. Um, (laughs) I I sometimes see too much of my four walls. Um, And when you live in a studio apartment, holy crap, it's small. I don't mind living small, but I'm just saying you 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 get a little tired of staring at the same walls because there's nothing new happening. I don't I'm not very inspired by the area that I live in. So taking a walk in a residential area is like Neh. sometimes I find a cafe and I sit down and I do something else there. I draw or sometimes I work. Sometimes my most creative have been when I've removed myself from the situation of this. Or I go on a call with people call friends family at home things like that um now you travel you travel back to denmark quite a bit right yeah yeah do you find yourself behaving differently there (laughs) than you do here i don't mean like you know you're going out and suddenly doing you know shots at a bar somewhere but like what's what's your what's different about going home versus being in connecticut Besides the obvious geographic differences, but do you find that there's a different comfort? Do you find that there's a spark of creativity in you that comes out that doesn't show up when you're in the, in the States? Actually, uh, yes. Um, just as you said that I could feel my shoulders release and I was like, yeah, it takes time to get old friends. Um, and I have my oldest friends there. And my humor is different in Danish because language. Um, I know everywhere 
I can find my way everywhere. It's very different. So now I know that when you're in Denmark, one of your favorite things to do is go to the um, like the the Viking villages, right? And I don't want to call them Renaissance fairs because I know that's not it, and I know it's reenactment, but it's it's more than that. It's more than that. It's a some of these folks make it a lifestyle, do they not? Back in Denmark and Sweden, I do Viking reenactment. It is um, yearly gatherings, um, different places in the world. In, well, yeah, the world, but mainly the country, um, Scandinavia, Northern Europe, where festivals or markets are being held. People show up with tents and furniture and <laughs> camp out. And there's a huge level of um, historically historical accuracy. People try to, like we communicate with archaeologists and historians and things like that to figure out how did they most likely be dress, things like that. Everything is hand-sewn. Textiles are textiles you had back then. Um, stuff like that. And it's freaking awesome. Um, it's a lifestyle, yes. There's, there's definitely... I'm at my happiest when I'm there. I smile and I laugh and I breathe. That's actually, yeah, I, the best way I can describe it is that I breathe. Mm. I'm outside. I am under the the Scandinavian sky. The light is so different there and it's so inspiring. Like Scandinavian light is so beautiful. <laughs> um, the sun is different. Uh, it goes down at 11 and doesn't come in summer. Summer, um, And then it's only kind of like dark for a little bit. And then the birds start chirping at like three and you see the sunrise and it's awesome. Um, so yes, I do that and I live and breathe that when I'm there and I haven't had a chance to do it for the past, a lot for the past eight years. And that's been really hard. Now I did see you went back last year and I did see some of the work that you produced and it seemed like the other participants were excited that you were there, that you were able to create this stuff for them. Did you get that feeling and and were people excited to see you come back with your camera or were they just kind of <laughs> like, we don't give a shit about the camera. You're here. We've got Sicily back. Like, how did they? And more the last one, think? actually. I had yeah. people running towards me and hugging me. <laughs> That's great. Um, but also they do like my camera. What they don't like is that I take forever to finish. I still have images that I haven't edited from, from yeah. the markets. I am very slow when it comes to personal stuff. Cause when I like, when I not, I'm not producing work for clients, I need a break. Yeah. And so my break is not going back on my computer and editing. My break is going on my iPad sketching or sewing or hanging out with friends. There's a fine line for those of us that are creative, that work at home, that have, you know, solo owned businesses, right? It becomes everything. We find our identity in that and we love what we do. So it doesn't necessarily always feel like work, but we have to maintain some level of discipline and stay focused, right? right. So how do you, how do you do that? Do you, are you a time blocker? Are you just someone that that knows intuitively when things need to get done? Do you have a workflow? And I don't want to necessarily get into the nitty gritty of all of it, but what are some of the things that, that you do to stay focused? 
I schedule out which days I shoot on. So Tuesdays and Thursdays are my shoot days. And I experiment with different types of configurations for that. Um, I want roughly five sessions a, a, a month, um, which means that there's some month, some weeks that I shoot two times a week and some that I shoot one. And I always make sure that I don't shoot two weeks two times because I know that's my limitation. I will not be able to function. So as long as I am consistently book, booked, I am able to pretty consistently get the editing done and, and do all those things. Uh, my weekends, I try not to work, but I do sometimes because things have to happen. But I'm very, I'm, I have clear boundaries around my work, personal life balance. Um, not in like, I'm very enmeshed with my clients sometimes. Um, but I, I, um, I, I need that like space of, I don't take calls after a certain time. I don't shoot on the weekends. Um, and I try to at least have one day during the weekend that is not working. And if I feel like there's a day I don't, I'm not able to work, then I allow myself not to work. Do you feel balanced? No. <laughs> um, but I, the reason why I'm not feeling bad, I, I can feel balanced. Um, I am not feeling it at the moment because there's not enough of the work. And then I have to do the things that I don't like to do in my business. Like what? Like social media. Mm. And I'm so tired of that. I'm tired of social media in general. So having to be on there and being being active and doing those things are not always easy. Um, this is a huge point of contention with me, right? Yeah. And, and we've had this conversation about... <laughs> conversation? You mean rant. Rants. Yes, rants. Sometimes they're maniacal. Um, but it's about the forced content creation to stay relevant. Being like, look at me, I am here all the time, and I'm awesome. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, uh, can we not do that? I don't see a lot of plumbers doing that, and they still get business. I don't see, you know, a lot of landscape architects doing that, right? It tends to be those of us in the, the creative fields, the photographers, videographers, musicians, right? It's kind of like dance monkey. We want to see just more. A, that word was just, right. sorry if I'm very loud right now. But seriously, I was just thinking dance, dance monkey when you said that. I'm like, I'm tired of being a freaking dancing monkey. You can't just press the button and I'll dance. I'm not a freaking monkey. <laughs> so what's your approach? Like, do you feel caught between having to create that stuff to keep up are you creating it because you want to? Are you creating it for your client's education? What's your like kind of approach towards the whole social media thing, right? I go on spurts. I'll I'll post four or five days in a row and I'm just kind of like, I love this momentum. And you see all these likes and you get all this good feeling. And then I just stop and I'm not consistent. And, you know, there is no growth and it doesn't bother me. I don't lose sleep over it. Right. I'm not trying to monetize making reels and lip syncing and dancing and doing stuff. I am not 12 anymore and decidedly not 12. Um, I mean, I mean, 
Oh, I know. I'm very youthful. I understand. Yeah, this, you're but... very, yeah, 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 yeah. I was just about to mention something about how old I was in 99. But yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to start doing math. But the, the point being, like, there's been this uptick of you have to create content all the time mm -hmm. to stay relevant. At what point do we realize that, one, it's not sustainable if that's not your full-time job being a content creator? right? Which is really what you have to be. We just happen to create content as part of our jobs by way of taking photos of people or like you do, you make YouTube videos as well. You teach, you do all this stuff, right? So just by nature of what we do, we create content. But I certainly don't feel the need to put everything that I do out there. I certainly don't feel beholden to an audience to say every single day, I'm relevant, I'm relevant, I'm relevant. What's what's your take on that, right? Do you feel like you lose out as a business because you're not doing that? Does it matter? Do you give a shit? I give a shit because a lot of my clients come from Instagram. I have, with various degrees of success, managed to stay pretty consistent on social media over the past many years um i use a scheduling app but quite often like i have a long period of months where i'm good at being consistent and my posts go out every day except for weekends now and then i drop the ball on my scheduling yeah. either because i don't feel like i have anything to say or because i feel like i'm burned out when that happens when that glass is empty i just let it go um and that's a fairly new thing i think i think that confidence and thing you talked about that you're seeing in me uh over the past few years is letting go of a lot of stuff i happen to be doom scrolling the other night as you do sitting in bed wondering why i can't go to sleep as i'm looking at this little blue screen in total darkness and moving my thumb there's this one marketing channel that I follow and she happened to say and I'd, I'd give her credit if I could remember what it was but it's just one of those things that you subscribe to and she had said that the relationship that you have with your audience just speak to that like if you have a 300 person mailing list just speak to those 300 people don't worry about the rest of the world Everything that you do should be focused on it being your private audience, your private group. So rather than thinking, wow, I've got to make something that has to go viral that will bring me all sorts of likes and follows and customers and, you know, all of that, focusing on a much, much smaller group and talking to them and their needs and discussing what they need is a much more authentic way to go. When you're posting, I noticed that you also write great stories along with your editorial content. I mean, you give these gorgeous essays about the people that you photograph and and what they do for a living and how they are as people. It comes across very real, very authentic. But we also, you and I both, have our down days. Mm -hmm. I tend to wear my heart in a sleeve. People see the good and the bad all the time. Do you ever talk to your audience or do you find that they respond differently if you do come from that place of 
yeah, I'm not perfect. Yeah, my brain's going nuts right now. You said earlier that, you know, you had that one client that was very accepting of that. Have you tried that with a wider audience in your content? So not just my content, most of my clients are incredibly accepting of my, um, which is great. It's been very wonderful. Um, it allows for a lot of flexibility. Um, when it comes to content creation, I try to come from that place. And usually when I don't want to create, don't want to plan out content is when I'm burned out. Mm. Then I'm like, I don't want to talk at all. Mm. I'm, I'm done screaming into a void. <laughs> That's how it feels sometimes. And yes, I do tell people that. I tell, like I, I tell the story of, of how I'm tired or how it's been a tough winter or, or whatnot. It, I don't think I have any recent ones that are like that, but I tend to show up like that. It's it's the people that I want as my clients are people who value authenticity. They value creativity and the value the fact that I'm a human. I have over the years beaten myself up a lot about not being structured and being good at being structured. And why can't I just fucking stay consistent? And why can't I just do the thing? whatever the thing is. Um, if I could, I would probably be much bigger than I am today. Like I would probably have a studio because at that point I'm like, okay, enough, <laughs> enough people coming in and out here. Mm. But I feel like if you want to attract people who are understanding of that side of yourself, you need to be able to show up like that. Say, Hey, you know what? Can we reschedule? Because I'm not at my best right now. Mm. I'm not I'm fatigued. I'm, my brain is in a fog. I am not my best self. I'm not going to be able to show up as my best self. I want to be able to, to, to show up for you because you deserve that. It is respectful to show up fully in this. I would find it hard to show up fully. So let's reschedule. People actually appreciate that shit. And it's awesome. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten any bad clapback from it. Like, I have the people that I attract, my clients are like that. Hmm. They, they're like, if you're not feeling like, let's just reschedule. And there are probably mentors out there talking about how that's a bad idea. But I will argue that if you're not able to show up as yourself fully, 100% for your client, because that's what they freaking deserve, then you're not going to be at your best. You're not going to perform your best. You're not going to create the best images. And yes, of course, I have times where like I have a session and I'm not feeling great in the morning, but I'll make it happen because there are certain levels of importance to certain events. But showing up and being honest and open and vulnerable, that has been the best, biggest thing for me to be able to be a good business person. And I won't actually say that I'm a good business person. I'm an okay business person, but I run a business mm -hmm. and it sustains me. Now I'm going to, I'm going to step back to earlier in the conversation where you'd made mention about criticism online. As you put more out there, more of yourself, your mm -hmm. real self, invariably we open ourselves up to criticism and yep. invariably given the nature of the internet, People are going to be assholes, right? Right. They are going to find that thing, you know, that's inconsequential, yeah. but from whatever lens they're looking through, 
whatever you did triggered them in some way and they find that they have to find fault with you. How do you deal with the inevitable criticism, right? Because I'd love to say that everything that I've ever put out has been nothing but big thumbs up. It ain't the case. And one of my other YouTube channels, every video that I put out is just criticism down the line. And it's rarely about me. It's the product or it's, you know, um, the way that things look or feel when I do it for myself and people criticize me, I get real weird about it. I know it doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But that's not to say that I don't internalize it to some degree. And I have to go through and be like, all right, photo troll 4327 on F-stoppers said, you know, how do you deal with criticism in a healthy way? Well, okay, first of all, depends on the criticism because criticism can be constructive and come from a proper place. Understand that. That's different. Um, those I deal with with politeness and gratefulness that they're actually taking their time to sure. teach me stuff. Great. Wonderful. Love that. Trolls. I have been blessed with not having a lot of them. Um, so when they do show up in my life, um, I rant a little bit with people that I like and trust and scream a little bit like, um, and it annoys me. And then sometimes it ends up me writing a, blog post about it um interesting in my past so mention model um i had i posted a picture of me in underwear on my modeling page many years ago but there was a woman there who sent me a private message i think it was saying something along the lines that see there's a reason why i remember it because they stick um she said that no one would want to see a woman of my size um out there like just pack it away like my fat was ugly um it was hard because putting yourself out there and putting your body out there as part of a self-acceptance thing by the way um and then having this random woman from the left uh say uh you're ugly your body's ugly i'm like it, it affected me to a great deal and i wrote a post about it and I posted another picture of me in underwear. I try to take that energy that it provides, this fuck you energy. I love that energy. It's a fun energy. The anger, the the um, resignation, the oh, this is not fair. This is unjust. <laughs> I like taking that and creating cool things with it. And I've written many blog posts, especially on body image that came from that place of just fury and, and needing to, to release that into somewhere. And so that um, that's what I try to do with those, but I haven't like every time I see a comment, I have my YouTube channel. I haven't posted on it in a while, but sometimes I still get comments on one of my videos because apparently it was a good video. Um, and sometimes I see a negative comment or a stupid comment. Like there was some, someone who commented on that they needed more visual content in my, my uh, video. And I was like, says who? But it annoyed me. I get annoyed with, with those type of trolls. Like it's like, okay. They took the time to type that 
and hit send. <laughs> it's like the worst waste of time. I'm like, why? Why is that relevant? Um, I'm gonna. You're coming into my space, so <laughs> deal with it. Those create a sense of annoyance in me. It's like, ugh, I get very <clears throat> agitated in those situations. But I usually release them after a little bit. And it's like, okay, good. On to the next. Um, but I don't remember the last time someone told me my work was shit. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. What's next, right? So you are like so many artists I know, great artists that I know that have this really intense period and then plateau a little bit and then a really intense period and then plateau a little bit, right? We all do it. Mm -hmm. What's next for you? Do you feel like you're in an upward swing? Do you feel like you're in a plateau? Do you see yourself in any one of those directions right now? I'm not at a plateau. I'm at an upward swing. Um, I'm seeing constant change in my work. Um, I have been going like this yeah. for a while and the plateaus have only been very small because then I got annoyed because I saw complacency and things like that. It's like, no, 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 let's get rid of that. I'm going to stop you there just for, for a quick second. I'll come back. I'll come back to the plateaus, but the complacency, how do you recognize that? <laughs> when every single image looked the same, despite it being <laughs> a different person or when I have a hard time telling one client apart from the other. Oh, is that it? Yeah. 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 When I lose the personal touch, mm. that's complacency. When I don't give as much of a fuck for my client, that's complacency. And I hate it because then I'm not at my best. I don't show up as my best. I don't create my best. And that's not okay. That is not what my clients are paying me for. Um, so when I recognize that I'm creating good pictures, but didn't I see that same thing? And the other thing, and oh, am I going through this routine of this is the, how you're going to do now, and this is what you're going to do now, and then you're going to post like this? I'm like, no, 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 no. Okay, time to get uncomfortable. How can we get uncomfortable? And that involves forcing my brain to think in a different pattern. And this is where I mention I'm a tank. I'm very forceful with my brain. <laughs> it's how I came here initially. <laughs> um, I, I, I recognize a problem. And my solution is usually to blast through it <laughs> um, because that feels less uh, painful. So you mentioned in there too, right? You see similar stuff from client to client mm -hmm. and that annoys you. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I think we had a conversation, God, must it was a long time ago. We were talking about business and we had mentioned the need to be an artist versus mm -hmm. a business person. Right. So you and, want to start a whole new podcast now? Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to see if we can condense this down a little bit. You and I are very similar. I want to give my clients something they haven't seen before. Invariably, mm -hmm. I also need to make money with my clients and I need to create consistent work. And so you have a product that you produce. It feels sticky in my brain to not make that product absolutely different every single time. But I know many photographers that have a reliable, repeatable product right. that they don't worry about changing everything to fit the client. Right. They just know that this works, this will produce a certain amount of income, and mm -hmm. I can do it with my eyes closed. I'm very good at that. It's like being a technician, 
right? right? So there is a part of that that we have to do if right. we want to remain in business. How do you balance being an artist versus the technician? I'm not a very good technical photographer. I, I kind of create what I feel like. Um, but I do have my go-to setup. I have my, my and this is a fr frankly part of my imposter syndrome because I'm like, I feel like I'm a little bit of a one-trick pony. Um, <laughs> so so I'm like, yeah, I know this light, I know this light, but like much more than that and things get a little different. I know that I have to do a certain base level of work when I have a client. I know that I have to, to create images that they're going to want to buy and they're going to want to love. Um, that's like my minimal success rate. But then I also want to create images that make them cry or make them feel seen or make them feel powerful. And that's when creativity comes in. That is where I like, hold on for a second, take this thing and wrap it around you and make a turban, or let's take this chainmail hood and put it on your face or head and let's see what happens then. And usually that's where magic happens. So in, in that space of free movement, of um, just no expectations are set, we have our baseline, I know they're going to love the rest, then allow free play, communicate it. I communicate a lot to my clients, like, you know what, I'm going a little bit off on a tangent right here because I'm really inspired by this. Mm -hmm. They love it. Um, it's the truth, first of all, like... But also suddenly they're excited about what I'm creating for them. It's like they feel like they're part of the process. Um, me grabbing one thing and tossing it over them and they see then seeing the final image adjusting the lives like click. And they look at it and like, that's the coolest thing. That yeah. is that is why I create. <laughs> um having people see themselves that way and and that is something that happens that creativity happens when you allow yourself to step out of your box and just be to tear up the plan and just be in it listen and feel and have your baseline that you know you can always turn back to and then adjust from there that is that's powerful like that's really powerful um and that's where some of my best work have happened have you always done that? Yeah, I started out that way. The the the, the reins, mm -hmm. the structure happened later. I'm not a very structured person. <laughs> um. So so yeah. No, I I the the free, free space, the free flow came first. I'm trying to figure out how to land this plane, right? I'm trying to figure out because I could easily stay here for another hour and a half continue to talk to you, but I want to land this plane in a thoughtful way. And I'm going to ask you a question I've been asking a lot of people lately, not necessarily on the podcast, but just in general, just in, in life. And it's a big one, but I want you to take a second to think about it and try to boil it down. What do you want? Hmm. I want to be a world champion. At what? <laughs> When my mom, when I was, my, this is a story my mom told me. When I was a kid um, and people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I said I wanted to be a world champion. And they were like, and what? I just want to be a world champion. I think the now, 
the philosophy behind it is I want to excel. I want to live a charmed life. I'm already living a charmed life, frankly. But I want joy and exuberance and vitality and and growth. I want to keep on growing. I want to become a better photographer. I want to be a great photographer. I want to be an amazing photographer. I want to be all those things and more. And I'm not afraid of saying that. Like, just getting there, that's the hard part. <laughs> what does joy look like to you? It's, um, the reason why I chuckled is because it, it's, for, to me, joy is a cup of steaming coffee in a sun be, beam of sunlight. Um, <laughs> I, I find a lot of joy in small moments, in shared spaces, in connectivity, in vulnerability. I'm feeling a little bit of joy right now. Um, just thinking about it. Joy is this beautiful thing that doesn't have to be created, like that doesn't have to be controlled. It is. It happens when you don't look for it. It happens in the small moments. And if you don't watch out, you're going to miss it. And I want to live a life where I expose myself to the most possible options of joy so yeah you might find me sitting here in my apartment for well too long um but i also challenge myself in other ways then i go on adventure and meet people and travel to places and see things and find joy there joy is in creation in creativity and in love and I think the biggest thing in my work is that I love people. Like, they, yeah, they annoy the crap out of me, but I love people. <laughs> like, humans. I love humans. I love my clients. And I can always honestly say that in that moment, I love that person in front of me. Allowing myself to feel that amount of love is pretty cool. I'm letting, you, I'm letting you sit in that for a moment. So, listen, you're one of my favorite people on the planet. I think, Aww. you know, we came together at the right time in life, at the right moment. You know, we, we're kind of on very similar trajectories in, in our philosophies and what we do. But I know I love watching you create stories. I think you're one of the better storytellers out there just through photography. I think your approach and your ability to connect with people is second to none. And for me to be able to watch your ascent through the industry with your business growth, with all the things on your plate, becoming a U.S. citizen, traveling all over the world. I, I still think you're a secret agent. But <laughs> watching, watching this growth, especially with the authenticity that you have, has been really inspiring. And I know that there's a lot of people out there with eyes on you that are feeling the same things that I do. So I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing yourself so openly. And I can't wait to the time that we wind up in the same place at the same time and can take portraits again, because that was one of my, one of my favorite times ever. Soon. Soon. WPPI. We will, WPPI. I think we'll, we'll see each other in Vegas. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great night. 
and I can't wait to see you soon. I'm looking forward to it. Bye. Bye. Hey there. Can I ask you a favor? If you're loving every minute of the show, and I hope you are, then subscribing is like becoming an honorary member of an exclusive club. Subscribing means you'll never miss a single episode, and trust me, you won't want to miss what I have in store. But here's the extra special request. I'd love it if you could take a moment to leave a five-star review. Your review is like a virtual high five. It lets me know I'm on the right track and helps others discover the show, too. Your feedback and support mean the world to me. I read each and every review, and they inspire me to keep bringing you the best content possible. So grab your phone and show some love with that five-star review. It's quick, it's easy, and it makes a huge difference. Thanks so much for being an amazing listener. Together, let's keep the conversations going. Subscribe, review, and let's make this podcast journey unforgettable.